Welcome in to another episode of We're Talking. Tonight we're talking football. Sunbelt Conference football with voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles, Danny Reed. How are you this evening, Danny? Guys, I'm doing pretty well. It's been a little bit. It's been too long, my friend, and I apologize. So life kind of gets in the way sometime, and that really sucks. So, but also with this is Mr. Art Garrett, Art V. Garrett. That's right. Let's get it right. The eye in the sky at Cajun Field. Yes, he is. <laughs> I and and he's the one. If if they call out the wrong number at the football game, he's the problem, not Tuna. So right. don't blame Tuna. Right, and 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 that's every time I tell people my role, I let them know that um, that it is not the PA announcer's problem or fault. It is the untrained eye in the sky. No, I just blame Jay, and that way it covers everything. Well, I was going to say, I spot for Jay, so if Jay's got it wrong, it means Jay didn't see it right. (laughs) I'm never, I won't say I'm never wrong, uh, but let's move on. All right, Dan, quick look back at two weeks ago, if you don't mind. Uh, Big win for Texas State there. Anomaly? Because, you know, they come out the next week but against uh, UT San Antonio. But then again, UT San Antonio is not a bad team. No, they were top 25 last year. They won 11 games, conference championship. And that was the big question for Texas State. We've been waiting for them to get a big win like that forever. They've got the money. They've got the atmosphere. They've got the resources. But for whatever reason, football just has not clicked since they moved up. They finally got a win like that. I love it for Brand, for Bill, for Clint, for Jeff. They're awesome guys. And, you know, we talk with them forever about you've got everything you need to win. It's just a matter of winning. They get it. And then I I was was wondering what the – UTSA game was going to be like because they're rivals the, that's a big rivalry game despite it not being in the same league but I thought it was a pretty good showing they had a shot to win the game in the second half but I think they had a couple of miscues offensively late and even though their special teams kept them in the game they just couldn't do enough against a team that's established I'd say UTSA is pretty established now but for Texas State I think they still needed a performance like that to show that Baylor wasn't a fluke and they're they're a team that's going to be pretty good this year. Good on them because it's it's about time. Uh, I agree. I know uh, about four years ago, three or four, maybe five years ago, Texas State had a chance at Baylor and uh, lost it in the in the last couple minutes there. So good for them. Um, Tulane hosting South Alabama. Um, I, I didn't get to see the game, so I don't want to say a little disappointment, but. I guess I'm a little disappointed in South Alabama showing there. But at the same time, Tulane's coming off a New Year's Six bowl game last year and playing well. So you got to look at both sides of the coin. What's your thoughts on the game? Well, one, Michael Pratt for Tulane missed one pass, and South Alabama turned it over five times on the road. You're not going to win a game. and You turn it over five times on the road. You're just not. Absolutely. Um Old, Old Dominion, Virginia Tech, uh, again, last year, Old Dominion was able to, I believe they beat Virginia last year, but at the same time, did not have, and did not end with a good year. Any surprise there at all or not really? 
No, that that that's a tough ask to go to Virginia Tech as a non-conference team at night and to win. Because I think when you hear enter Sandman, you, you kind of get in your thoughts a little bit, but then the game starts and hopefully you're able to shake that out. I thought they performed pretty well, but they didn't let it get to them because week two, you get a chance to play a league game. And I know that was at the expense of the Cajuns, but it was clear that that losing streak was time to end <laughs> because they've, they've got weapons. Even though they lost a bunch of them, they were able to recruit quite a bit more running Fordham system from last year. And it's clear that they're going to be able to score a lot of points. And when you've got Jason Henderson on that defense, that that's a team that's going to be able to surprise if they just get things to line up correctly. Nobody's going to pick them at the top of the East. That doesn't mean they can't do it. But you've just got such a balanced division on this side of the of the Sun Belt. But Old Dominion's capable of making noise, just like Texas State, even though Texas State was able to show that they could win a Power 5 game like Old Dominion did the year before. You still got to back it up. But at least for Old Dominion, they got that first league victory against a team that's been amongst the best in the West for six, seven years now. We'll go back to that Cajuns game, Old Dominion, uh, uh, in a little bit here. But moving on to Coastal Carolina and UCLA. Coastal Carolina brings back uh, – player of the year and quarterback, but at the same time has a new coach, new regime there. Uh, UCLA is, I mean, South Alabama went out there, I believe last year, or was it two years ago and, and had a very good showing. Uh, 27, 13 is not an embarrassment by any means at all, but any surprise there in the game? Maybe just the fact that Grayson McCall finally looked mortal because he threw two picks and he had never thrown two picks in a game before. One of their DBs, Clayton Isbell, the transfer from Illinois State, he had three picks in one game. So he he kept him in. I think at least one, of, if not two of those, were in the end zone. So even though UCLA could have run away with it, Coastal kept themselves in and gave themselves a chance. And when you're that far away from home, that that's about all you can ask for. That, that That's a tough thing to do, to go 3,000 miles and try to pull off a Power 5 win. But Coastal's in it all the way. It, it really is. I don't think people that don't fly – understand that is uh when you when you get in a plane especially going three time zones like that uh I, I don't know if they went in on thursday that's what south alabama did went in on the thursday before instead of the friday gave them an extra day to acclimate acc acc acclimate acclimate thank you art <laughs> so i've got my english 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 language teacher jeez i can't even say that correctly but that's okay. Um, great. James Madison, Virginia. This was a game that went back and forth. James Madison jumped up early. Uh, Virginia came back, went up big or, or 14 points. James Ma Madison comes back and win. A lot of emotion pregame for Virginia, though, but which I think helped James Madison in the beginning. Yeah, you've got – You've got the, the the ceremony to honor the three that were killed last year with the fact that James Madison was favored at Virginia and they hadn't played in four decades. So yeah, this this was a this was a spot for both. And then for JMU to jump up 14-0, Virginia came back with a true freshman quarterback and started to look really good on offense, but then you get the weather delay in the fourth quarter, and then JMU I think this is a lot of credit to Kurt Signetti and the coaching because they were ready when that stopped. And that's why they won the game. It, it took until, what, 55 seconds left to get the game winner. 
But typically when you're down multiple scores at a power five team, you don't win that game. It, it, you, you were just were programmed that, okay, it was a good effort. You know, we'll get them next time. But they came back in the fourth quarter after a weather delay to beat a power five team on the road. That's, All right, I'm that's, sorry. that's, a, that's a big deal. All right. I'm sorry. Did you have any thoughts or comments about those first couple games? I'm not trying to ignore you here. Well, I don't want you to ignore me, but uh, I don't. I don't have a whole lot to uh, to add to this conversation other than just enjoying the company. Okay, very <laughs> good. Um, Troy goes to Kansas State. Troy, uh, at, at least on the uh, well, overall, the Sun Belt was a champion last year, and they're going to Kansas State. I understand was or is a top twenty-five team, but at the same time. I thought Troy was going to do, have a better showing there than than forty two to thirteen, and I don't think the the game was that close. Yeah, I did too. But then you go back and look at how they got to fourteen ten in the second quarter, and it took two one handed catches by the same guy, including a touchdown. Chris Lewis had an insane one handed touchdown that Barry shared on social media earlier today. So if you don't get those two plays, maybe it's not them coming back from fourteen nothing to get within one score. Maybe it's a total runaway. Maybe they're never in it. But I, I think that that's an indication that Kansas State is really good. I don't think that that's the fact that Troy has slipped. I, I don't think that that's correct at all. And for Troy and James Madison, they now play each other on Saturday in one of the biggest league games in the entire schedule. I think that that is going to be a fantastic game in Troy this weekend. Yeah, I, absolutely. I don't, I'm not sure. I mean, I know the atmosphere at – the atmosphere that will be at Troy, we haven't played at James Madison yet, so I don't know what their atmosphere. But and, and but coming from Virginia, was, which was a pretty big game, it's kind of hard. I don't know. I just think it's – Troy's got a great atmosphere. I think it will be a tough tough for them to to take that one. Um, we touched on it a little bit, but, but UTSA and Texas State, one more time, you know, 45, 50 miles apart, if that – um, that that's a, a conference USA, not a conference USA, an American athletic conference and a Sunbelt conference is uh, that I think UTSA, the Cajuns beat in a bowl game two, two years ago. And I think they've only lost one game since that time. So I don't know that it was that big of a deal for Texas state to lose, even though they had to win over Baylor. Because, honestly, I think UTSA could probably beat Baylor as well. Yeah, at that point, I would agree. It's just the fact that they're as big as rivals as they are, and there's no love lost between the two. You ask anybody from either side, and that's one that it's unfortunate that they're not league rivals because I think it would be best served if it was played later in the season. But a lot of times you're playing that first, second, third week of the year, and you don't even really know what you have yet, but you, you play them where you play them. The schedule is what the schedule is. And there's been some that have said, well, if the Sunbelt would lose Texas State, they'd be a perfect fit for whatever league UTSA is. And even though I don't know the American would work since they just added six new teams and the new look American, or if for some reason UTSA would not fit in the American, it would give Texas State a regional partner instead of them just kind of dangling way out there in the West where their closest team, I guess, would be the Cajuns. Yeah. And what's that's that's five, six hours 
Yeah, easy. So from from that standpoint, maybe you'd like to see him in the same league eventually, but it, it, it showed me more about Texas State that they could stay in it. They had a chance to win the game, but I wasn't thinking that UTSA was going to lose a home game. Not 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 yet. I mean, Texas State's getting close, but they're not quite there yet. Yeah, UTSA I would love to have in the Sun Belt. Uh, I think that that would give Texas State a travel partner. ULM with that, Arkansas State and us and Southern Miss and then Troy and South. But at the same time, you probably got to add some teams in the East as well. So and that's where that's where your East Carolina has been rumored. I mean, yep. Louisiana Tech has been in that discussion for a while. If the league would ever decide to go up to 16 or 18, then that's definitely something you'd have to explore. Well, we don't need Louisiana Tech in this league. Everybody will be benefit by them staying in Conference <laughs> USA and, and going down to the Division Two or something. We don't need them at all. So, Art. Right. Yeah, any scuttlebutt of teams wanting to leave the Sun Belt? Not that I've heard. I, I haven't heard. I heard anything either. But you know, you guys are more in the know than I am, so I just thought maybe I'd ask. We're we're in such a spot right now where, while everybody else is chasing the dollar and chasing these national leagues, the Sun Belt has bought into the regional aspect. They bought into rivalries. They bought into college towns that love their teams. They bought into schools that know the value in athletics. And to me, that makes the Sun Belt as stable as any league in the country. Any uh, league. So I, I agree. I agree. I agree. I just, I just thought I'd ask. I, I do like the, uh, the idea of what the Cajuns are doing here of, of having the, uh, having the town take ownership of the, of the team, like our town, our, our team, and, and that that is something that just really started to, uh, to get off, off the, the. Uh, the board this this year and uh and i'm liking that i even saw one of the local restaurants that has a sign in in their place that said our town our team and nice. it's all red and white with the cajun logo on it so that was cool yeah danny marshall at east carolina we brought you just brought up east carolina as, as uh potential or someone that i think we would all invite into the sunbelt conference but uh marshall east carolina is not too far away from being a pretty damn good team, excuse me, but Marshall looked like they dominated that game in in, in Greenville. Well, they dominated the fourth quarter because East Carolina probably should have won the game. They had Rasheen Ali figured out. I think he had, I think he had sixteen carries for five yards at one point, but then he decided that wait a minute, I was an All American two years ago, and I'm pretty good, so I'm just going to go ahead and break off a couple of long runs real quick, and I'm going to put my team ahead and. <laughs> Got to make it a big gap, and it made it look a lot worse than it was. But to do that on the road, and we talk about how tough it is to do anything on the road, regardless of who you're playing, but especially there because Dowdy Ficklin is the biggest group of five stadium in the country with more than 50,000 people. But for Marshall to do that, and that's historically that's been a rivalry. That's where they yeah. were when the, when the plane crash happened back in 70. So that's always going to have some special meaning when they play there. But to do that there and Rasheen Ali to let people remember that he is pretty good, I, that that shows me. And I think Marshall's got Virginia Tech this week. So I, Marshall's going to be really good this year. And, and, and unless something is to happen, I, I think Marshall's got a chance to be really good. Okay. Uh, North Carolina and App State, that that was a game, you know, goes to double overtime. App had opportunities there. Uh, North Carolina, I thought, was going to pull away at one point, the nap came back to tie the game. So your thoughts on that one? 
I know some have come out and said that these teams should play every year. It's, it's not that simple. You, you, these the, these rivalries are scheduled sometimes 10 and 15 years out. So if, if you want to do it, then you got to redo another agreement. It is a great game, not just for college football, but specifically for the state of North Carolina, because you've got an App State team that has been the most successful team in the state for a long time, better than North Carolina, better than NC State, better than East Carolina, better than anybody else that plays football in that state. They won there a couple of years ago, had a chance to win in Boone last year, and they'll tell you that they should have won this past weekend. But it's proof, one, that that's a rivalry that should be renewed if both teams can agree on it, both schools can agree on it. And it's also another shout that if you're a Power 5 team and you're looking for some games to win at the beginning of the season, you better be careful if you're going after the Sun Belt. You know, it, I, I didn't, I've never thought of it. Now, North Carolina, I think population is larger than Louisiana's. But at the same time, we, we say sometimes that we have too many uh, Division One schools uh, in the yep. state of Louisiana. 13 or 14 now? Yeah, it's one, crazy. One but some of them are FCS with, with Nichols, Southeastern and those. But if you look at the state of North Carolina, East Carolina, North Carolina, North Carolina State, Duke, uh, App State, you know, Wake Forest. I mean, they're pretty. Uh, I'm at. The, I'll look that up later on, and uh, I, I'm just curious about the the two uh, sizes of each state. That that that's just mind boggling to me. And a, a lot of that though has to do with the whole research triangle and the money that goes in there and everything. So their universities can be R one and 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 have that money go in. So I get it. Yeah. Well, in, in a way, you could say that for a large portion of the last now 10, 20 years, North Carolina has been mostly a basketball, baseball, soccer state. Thankfully, they've got App State, so they can kind of call themselves a football state. East yeah. Carolina's had their success here and there. They've all had their success here and there. But App is really the only team that has been consistent for a while. Yes. All right. Talk my Cajun fans off the ledge here with Old Dominion. New, 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 uh, <laughs> new offensive coordinator, new, new uh, quarterback. I don't think the previous week they showed everything against Virginia Tech that they were going to do. Obviously, obviously a conference game earlier than all the other ones because of the situation the Cajuns were put in without a uh without another home game and then needing and then then old dominion didn't have a fcs team coming in so they worked the three of them, the two of them worked with buffalo to get buffalo down here in in lafayette and old dominion was able to pick up uh texas a&m commerce i believe so uh it all worked but to the game i mean i don't Go ahead. I, I know you probably didn't get to watch a lot of it, but you were in a weather delay for a little bit. Well, the one thing that sticks out is that I saw a lot of Cajun people complaining about their secondary. And part of me wants to say that there might be something to it. But the other part is, well, that's what Old Dominion's new offense is designed to do. It's designed to make your secondary look foolish because it's tempo on steroids is, is the way that I'll put it. That They're going to go as fast as anybody in the country. 
I think Fordham was the only team in all of Division One FBS or FCS last year that averaged 600 yards per game. So it, it's as much of taking advantage of your personnel and how to get the right guys in the right space than it is just having four and five star recruits. And that's what guys are doing now. That's what analysts and offensive coordinators spend all this time doing. They figure out ways to get your best players the football with as much space as possible. And when you go as fast as possible and you don't sub, then you get defenses caught in certain personnel groupings and you can run whatever you want to. And it's going to be very, very tough to stop. Uh, I agree. I I thought the Cajuns offense was was better than it was the week before. And I don't think that was the problem with the game. Um, lots going on there. And uh hate to say blame to go, but lots of improvement to go around. So I put it that way. My only comment on the game would be that uh it's you know, for both teams to be known for the defense that they put up the week before, for for this, you know, for this high of a score to happen, it was kind of caught everybody off guard. I no way did I think we were going to see that many, you know, what was it, 60, 60, 69 points scored. I didn't I didn't think it was gonna be up that high. Um I'm a little confused on why the four, the three, three or four passing plays at the end uh, there. You know, I thought maybe one running play would have, would have, when it was, you know, first and goal from the seven. But uh, other than that, no, I'm not on a ledge at all. Uh, I, I think that there's still a lot, a lot of improvement. Like you said, a lot of things need to change. Uh, penalties need to stop. That's foolish, uh, but that's early in the season uh, dilemmas that happen all the time, you know. Yeah, the, the week one overreaction is going to get you whether you're really good or really poor. And it doesn't matter if you play an FCS or a power five or a like team. You need to make sure you're having a very honest assessment of what you did right and what you did wrong. Don't fall in love with the fact that you won 70 to nothing. Don't think it's fatal that you lost 45 nothing. Watch the tape, evaluate, take what needs to be taken, build on that. And just make sure you're honest about where you are as a team. Don't get caught up in all the outside noise and where the perception of where you should be and where you're not and all that. It's one week. You've got at least 12 more if you do things the correct way. And last week was the first chance to improve on that. Week three is another chance. And then week four and so on and so forth. But just putting too much into one week is where a lot of programs get themselves into trouble because that's when losses become multiple losses. Yeah. Let's uh, we're not going to take a break, but I want art to uh, go ahead and art. Tell them where your store is located and what you do. Well, I am the proud owner of a 60 year old business here in Lafayette, Louisiana called the Acadian religious shop. And uh, I've been, my mother and father opened that store when I was four years old and I've had the pleasure of running it for the last 25 years. And I don't even have my 20 year old daughter working in the store with me as she goes to school to get her business degree, because she has this bright idea that she wants to open another location, which scares the hell out of me, but that's okay. But uh, we're a full Catholic uh, gift shop and we have a complete selection of books and Bibles and statuary and jewelry and uh, all kind of little things. Uh, we're, loading up the store right now, getting ready for hopefully a very, very busy Christmas season. So we're at AcadianReligious.com online, anywhere in the world. We're in uh, the South College Shopping Center here in Lafayette. And uh, 
Monday through Saturday, 930 to 530. We're on Facebook and Instagram and all that good stuff. So you can follow us and like us and buy stuff online at AcadianReligious.com. Art, do you have a large print Bibles? I do have a large print Bible. I sold you a giant print Bible today. That is correct. <laughs> from my godmother, who's in a nursing home, but will not be listening to this. So uh, do you do embossing on we the... Do. Uh, Craig got to see firsthand exactly what that means to gold leaf or gold emboss a name on, on, a, on a Bible. And uh, he was pretty impressed with the process. Well, as we get closer to Christmas, we'll have Art on some more talking about the shop and what you can find there. So thank you, Art. Appreciate you coming. Yep. Danny, uh, I, I waited for this one for several reasons. One, the Cajuns play UAB next weekend, but Georgia Southern played, played them this past weekend. Talk about the game, first of all, because I, I didn't get the opportunity to watch or, or really even follow along. The first play set the tone. UAB got the opening kickoff, but then tackle for loss turned into a fumble, which turned into a Georgia Southern recovery. A couple of plays later, it was 7 nothing. UAB misses on a fourth down the next drive. Then it's 14 nothing. Then UAB misses a field goal. It's 21-7. Then UAB comes back and takes a one-point lead, but the Eagles get a touchdown in the final minute of the first half. And then in the second half, UAB tried like hell to go back and – mixed the run with the pass. They picked up their tempo at numerous, numerous spots. And even though it was a one score game in the fourth quarter and they had the ball back, Georgia Southern came up with an interception. Then they sealed it with a couple of field goals, really good atmosphere. More than 20,000 were there and to get some revenge on UAB from last year was nice. And I think it showed the depth that this team has. We've, we've made the comments about how the size has increased, how the speed looks better, but Georgia Southern's ones and twos and even the threes, the, the, this is a much deeper team than what Clay Helton had last year. And that's what's going to pay them dividends this weekend as they try to go and take down Wisconsin. But to get a win against a pretty skilled UAB team, I think meant a lot to what they're going to try to do this weekend and then the rest of the season after that. I think both for the Cajuns and the Eagles, uh, we've talked about in the past uh, against Conference USA and the American yeah. Conference uh, the Sunbelt Conference needs to win those games for perception-wise. So very good job by the Eagles there. What can the Cajuns, though, expect? Do you think that that up-tempo was just something that was they were trying to change it all together, or are they more of a grinded-out team? Well, they used to be. This is a UAB program that honestly is not that much different from what Wisconsin used to be with big running backs, big offensive lines, run the ball 65% of the time and have a really, really good defense. But with Trent Dilfer taking over as head coach, he's got Alex Mortensen running his offense and he spent the last eight years with Nick Saban in Alabama. They're running tempo sometimes. They're snapping the football within 15 seconds off the play clock. I think the metrics say they go fast tempo about a third of the time, but they'll throw a lot of passes right around the line of scrimmage. They'll let their guys make plays to the point I made earlier about just getting the ball in the perimeter and then letting athletes be athletes. Defensively, they consistently have the biggest secondary I've seen, and I don't know how they can cover like they do with the speed they seem to have, but these big, thick guys are just very tough to beat. Georgia Southern had a really good plan and going 10 of 13 on third down helped a lot. 
what I will say is that for the Cages, I think the last time you played UAB was it was it elite? Did you go to the new field or was it a Legion field? It, I believe it was the old one. It was during COVID. Okay, so this was, was yeah, that, this would have opened up in yeah, this would have opened up in twenty one. It's 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 a beautiful facility. The Birmingham soccer team plays there. It's it's a great development they've got around the area. It, it's a really nice job they did with it. There's a number of restaurants right across the street from the stadium. So for the Cajun fans that are making the trip, there there's a lot to like about that area. They did a really good job with it. Good deal. Uh, some big games though still coming up. With uh, we haven't started a whole lot of conference play yet, but we do have some conf- uh, a conference game coming up. Before that though. Wake Forest, Old Dominion. Uh, kudos to Old Dominion for getting Wake Forest to come there. I know it's not Wake Forest is not a, you know, is is probably not going to make it to the college football playoff. But at the same time, they were able to get them there. Your thoughts on that game after what happened the last couple of weeks, or well, it's kind of early. Well, it's a much different Wake Forest team now with no more Sam Hardman, but they've still been able to put themselves in the national spotlight with their version of what everybody else is doing now. I think they hold their zone read fake as long as anybody in the country. They force your linebackers and your secondary to come up. Now, granted, with not having Hardman there, is going to end up going down as statistically one of the best quarterbacks in the history of college football. That does change the dynamic a little bit, but it's still an ACC team coming to your house, and there's no reason to think that Old Dominion would be able to get that win again. I think it's I think it's going to be a really good game, and I wouldn't be surprised if they got them. Okay, Georgia Georgia Southern heading up to Wisconsin. Uh, two two good games to start the season for Georgia Southern in the Citadel, uh, a nice tune-up game, and then you played uh, uh, which is yet to be seen, but I think is a pretty good UAB team. How does that help you going up to Wisconsin? Well, you got a chance to see how much depth you had in week one, and then you got a chance to see even more depth in week two. This is the one where you really need to see it because, look, it is just one game out of whatever you play, but everybody knows that for teams – in the group of five, if you get a shot to knock off a power five, you take it. Whatever you got to do to get a win, like we've said in, in basketball games and ba- like in midweek baseball games, if you're playing LSU, if you're the Cajuns, you're doing whatever you got to do to win that game, especially when they're number one in the country. You're doing what you can to win that game. Georgia Southern, if they're playing Georgia, Georgia Tech, you do whatever you can to win that game. Saturday in Madison, uh, I've never been up to Camp Randall. I think it's going to be awesome. Then that's not even talking about the number of cows, the cheese, and the jump around that we're going to see at the end of the third quarter, which is going to be – I might actually have to take a video of that. But to, to to see what this team has done so far and watch them practice, this is a team that believes that they can go and win this game, not just because they got Nebraska last year. That was a much different situation. Scott Frost was going to get fired at some point. They had the talent, but they were a mess. Wisconsin has changed things up too with Luke Fickle there now. They're running the air raid. They've got a different defense. But I think that they're much more cohesive than Nebraska was. And if they feature the right things on offense, they can be a really, really tough team to handle because they're still this team that wants to run, but they're trying to be this up-tempo version of the air raid like Georgia Southern is. But if they feature the guys that they have and have had 
then they can be whatever they want to be. And then defensively, Wisconsin's always got a really, really good defense. They get off the field on third downs. They stop the run. It's a very, very simple recipe. But with trying to modernize things, if you will, there, there's going to be some hiccups. And they went to Pullman, Washington Saturday night last weekend, number 19 in the country, and Washington State was the better team. They were more physical. They were faster. They went tempo, which Wisconsin was completely frustrated by, which was ironic because that is what they're doing. So there's reasons to think that Georgia Southern can do this, but there's still a lot more that the Eagles are going to need simply by watching a film and saying, well, this is possible. Well, good luck this weekend. Um, East Carolina continues their Sunbelt tour, taking on App State. We know the rivalry between App State and Marshall. And, and for a lot of ways, East Carolina, App State, there's kind of a little triangle there that these guys like to get after each other. Um, who do you think comes out on top on that? Or what, what's your thoughts on the game? Well, it's another sellout. So good for good for the Booners. But I, I would anticipate that being a really good game. And, and I don't like to say things because this is a rivalry game when you're talking App and Georgia Southern, but App should beat this. App should beat ECU. They should. Whether okay. they do, I don't know, but App should win that game. I, I agree. Uh, I, uh, again, AAC versus, uh, versus the Sun Belt. And then you got the two-lane Southern Miss, two-lane headed to Southern Miss. Which, what I, I just don't know what Tulane team is going to show up. Yeah, it depends on if Michael Pride plays because he didn't play last week. And they and still and they still played pretty good against Ole Miss. Played well enough. I, they were ahead. I think they were at least ahead in the second quarter. I don't know how much it lasted after that because that was right around the time that Georgia Southern was getting started. If Pride comes back, they should be able to win that game. But, you know, Southern Miss has been – probably chop a bit for this one for a while it's it's a former rivalry it's maybe going to become a rivalry again they're not going to get a lot of chances to host Tulane with the current arrangement of things but that game's going to be a big deal in Hattiesburg absolutely agree with you there uh James Madison Troy our final uh look look at this week uh week's upcoming games um what happens awesome yeah, that, that's that's a really that's a really good game because JMU's never been to Troy. Troy is a little bit different than they were last year with no more Carlton Marshall, but Kamani Vidal's had a great start to the season running the football. You know, offensively, Troy's going to be able to put up their yards, but they can beat you with the ground game or with the pass. And defensively, they tapped into what made them so good under Neil Brown last year, which is why they had the winning streak, even though. They did lose to Kansas State last weekend. If Troy does it, it'll be because of whatever crowd shows up. Personnel might be tilted slightly towards JMU. I think it's close. But if the home crowd is what it usually is at Troy, I'll give the Trojans a slight edge. I think with JMU's uh, win last weekend, I think the Troy the fans will show up big time. Uh Interesting, the game is on the NFL network, which I think is huge for the Sun Belt as well, because when you're on those linear networks like that, even if you go to the the guide and you hit sports, that's one of the games that's going to come up versus having to log on to the ESPN Plus app and everything. So good for Sun Belt for doing that. Uh, the only thing I wish is the game was at 11 a.m. So we could watch it while we're in uh, in Birmingham 
and before it, I mean, we're kicking off at the same time. So, uh, well, either make a reservation at Dreamland or go pick them up before you go to the game. Just you won't be sorry. Yeah. Uh, Art, any final questions before we sign off for the evening? Uh, no, I do. I will say that I did go to Birmingham this summer and we stayed right there across from the stadium. And your comment about the, all the eatery spots around the stadium is is phenomenal. Um, the choices are endless and uh, it does look like a beautiful stadium. We're actually we were there for the uh, playoff game between the Breakers and I forget whoever they were playing um, and the Breakers lost. But uh, anyway, yeah, I if you are going to the game. Take advantage of that stuff, all the places around there to eat, and uh, go Cajuns. There, there's a Bucky's right down the road. You've got plenty of gas stations. And I, I I know you may not, but there may be somebody that hears this that might say, oh, Bucky's." Oh, yeah, I know. I, I'm just – And am I, am I correct? Is the SEC offices in Birmingham? Correct. Yeah. It's right there across from the stadium as well. Yeah, I know. It so, is what it is. Uh, Danny, your final thoughts on this weekend. And before we sign off, though, before you give your final thoughts and I sign off, and Dante, thank you again for doing this year. Really appreciate your time, as always. And uh, we'll we'll get into more later on. I'll just say it that way. Well, I'm hoping the next time that we talk, Georgia Southern will have had a win against Wisconsin. It's going to be a great experience either way to go up there and have these guys play in – side of one of the best venues in all of college football and to just be there and just soak it all in is, is going to be something. I'll, I'll be keeping an eye on Louisiana and UAB. I'm, I'm excited to see if Old Dominion can beat Wake Forest and I think James Madison, Troy, and Southern Miss Tulane. There's a lot of good games in the league this week. So it, it's it's a packed slate. Now the over and, over and under on Wisconsin and Georgia Southern is 64. Is that a reality? Higher. 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 Okay. You heard it from Art V. Garrett. Bet the over. <laughs> oh, no. All right. Danny, thanks again for your time. Appreciate it, brother. Uh, we'll yes, talk sir. soon. All right. You, you've been listening to We're Talking. We've been talking football. Sunbelt Conference football with Danny Reed, voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles. <laughs> Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.